So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Just gonna, is this working? I'm just gonna move this a little bit closer to you guys. So that, a little closer. So, where do I belong? Where do I belong? This is, belonging is a question that we all have. Maybe it's in the, in the first few weeks of our job. We're in the office or we're on the job site with our coworkers and we're trying to find, figure out the dynamics in a job site thinking, where do I belong? Or when our kids start their first couple days of school, they're usually hard and tiring because they're constantly trying to figure out where they belong with their peers. Maybe I belong with this group or, or maybe with this group. We're constantly evaluating our life, our vocation, our work, and our relationships, wondering if, if this is where we belong or, or maybe it's somewhere else. And there's one place in general, uh, generally, not for everyone, that we don't usually have this existential question, and that place is in our family. As a general rule, we all feel some sense of belonging in our family. As a general rule. Of course, there's definitely exceptions, and, and you might be one of those exceptions. But most of us don't usually have this existential question in our family. We understand where we belong when it comes to our family. We know where we fit. And there's a reason we say things to people who are close to us, like make yourself feel at home, or, or we call our close friends brothers and sisters. Because there's a belonging in that relationship. And this is kind of what we're going to talk about today. This idea of belonging and, and where we belong in the family of God. Because if we're always contemplating the question of belonging in our own lives and in our everyday relationships and at school and at work, then it's important for us to look at the same question of belonging as it relates to God. 
Maybe right now you don't feel particularly close to God or, or you don't even really know how to get close to God. How, what does a relationship with God look like? In this passage, Galatians 3, verse 26 to 4-7, the Apostle Paul, who's the author of this particular book of the Bible, he helps us understand how God relates to us. He helps us understand this question of where do I belong in relationship to God? And we're going to see that through faith in Jesus Christ, God adopts us into his family. We get the rights and privileges that Jesus, his own son, has. And Paul insinuates that apart from Christ, without Christ, we are orphans. It's kind of this person who doesn't belong. We have no belonging. But in Christ, we're given everything. And so in Christ, we go from orphan to everything. From orphan to everything. And we're going to look at this, um, three things in this passage. Sorry, I did two, but three. So first, there's equality in Christ. We're going to see that there's equality in Christ. Second, that we are enslaved to sin. And third, that we are entitled by grace. So equal in Christ, enslaved to sin, and entitled by grace. I think they're on the back of the bulletin as well. So... The first thing that we need to do is understand how this passage fits into the greater book of Galatians. We're just kind of diving into this one passage that's in the middle of a book. Um, so we got to understand where we're at. So Paul is making an argument through this book. Um, and this passage is in the middle of it. So we've kind of jumped into the conversation. The Galatian church, they've fallen into a wrong type of teaching. And they were taught earlier by Paul and others that the only way to be right with God, the only way to have a relationship with God, was by faith in Jesus Christ. But somewhere along the way, they got mixed up. And they added to the formula. They began to find other ways that they thought would make them right with God, or maybe better ways, things that they would add on to this faith. So what they had learned from Paul was that they could only be saved by grace, only by grace. And now they were living like they could save themselves, like there was something they could do. They were trying to do right according to the Jewish law. And this is where we're at in the argument. So Paul is laying out, once again, this, this formula of grace. That is only by grace that you can be saved. It's not by anything that you can do. Not by going back to the Jewish roots of Christianity by being circumcised or by keeping the law perfectly. Paul is saying, you are saved by grace through faith in Christ, not by doing stuff, not by following the law or earning your salvation that way. You cannot earn your salvation out of any merit of your own. And he continues the argument in this way, and let's, let's read a bit starting in verse 26. Remember that Paul, he's writing to the Galatian Christians, um, and they've gone off track in their beliefs. My version is a little bit different than yours, but don't worry about it. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. 
slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So here he is saying that in Christ there is complete equality. And in some translations, um, where yours says children, it says sons. And later in verse 6, you'll see that Paul also calls them sons. And so first we have to note that Paul is not being sexist in this section of Scripture when it, with his use of language, when he calls everyone sons in, in verse 6, for instance. But we'll see that this is quite opposite. His argument shows us that relying on something like gender or relying on something like race or our cultural background or our religious heritage, it doesn't bring you any closer or farther from God. He's saying that in Christ, you are all sons of God. There is no Jew or Greek. There's no racial divide. There's no free or slave There's no social class divide. And there's no male or female. There's no gender pay gap. So then why does he say sons and not children? And some translations do say children. But the reason many keep it as sons is because the inheritance structure in the Roman world at the time he wrote it is a, a bit different than ours. And so... In order for us to understand what, why he says sons, we have to understand the inheritance structure. So in the Roman world at this time, it was only one person who got the inheritance. It was the oldest son. And so we have to, we have to imagine, use our imagination to kind of enter into this world and enter into what it would be like. It will help us understand the difference. So for us, when we talk about inheritance, we, we automatically think money and stuff, right? Those are, that's kind of the two things that happen um, when we talk about inheritance. When, when somebody passes away or when you receive an inheritance, you receive money and stuff. That's kind of it. But for the Romans, at that time, you, you didn't just inherit their money and their stuff. You definitely did that. But you also inherited their status in society, your legacy was connected to theirs now. And often, many people even took on a part or the whole name of the person who they inherited, especially if they were kind of at a higher social level. Um, so, but this right was only reserved for one person, right? You can't, you can't give your whole legacy to multiple people. And so it was reserved for the oldest son. And so what Paul is saying here is that in Christ, you are all oldest sons. There's equality in Christ. All are heirs. We inherit the same status as oldest son. Paul is not showing that God is sexist and wants all people to be sons. He's showing that in Christ... God is being tremendously generous. He's granting the status reserved for the oldest son to all those who are in Christ. And isn't this equality something that we can take great pride in? 
Our world is full of racial, social, and gender inequality. And yet, Paul is saying in Christ, these barriers are broken down. And we don't just get equality, but we are all raised up to the highest place in the family. The place of honor is for everyone. And so this equality at the highest level, it's, it's very appealing for us. And I think because it's so appealing, then our next question is, well, well how do we get this equality? It, it, that sounds so good. So Paul goes on to show us that we can receive this standing as oldest son only by the grace of God, by placing our faith in him for our salvation, not by keeping the law, not because we belong to the right family, not because we have the right religious background. So he begins with this in chapter 4, verse 1 to 3, that we cannot earn this inheritance by any work of our own. You cannot earn this inheritance by being awesome. And this is the difference between us and Spider-Man. Yeah, the the one difference between us and Spider-Man. Spider-Man began his life as an orphan, Peter Parker. And he had many struggles, and he didn't fit in. He didn't have a belonging, a place of belonging. And then he gets bit by a radioactive spider, and he becomes Spider-Man. He defeats the world's greatest enemies, and by doing so, he earns his status as a great superhero. Spider-Man went from orphan to everything, but he earned it on his own. He earned his status by being awesome. And Paul is saying, we can't earn our status with God like this. The Galatians were trying, and they were being taught that if they just got circumcised and held to certain religious practices, that the same ones as the Israelites, that that this would just bring them into being true children, true sons of God. But Paul says that if you rely on those things, on your social, religious, or cultural standing, you're actually backtracking in your maturity. You're not growing into adulthood as a son. You're actually regressing back towards being a small child or even a slave, he says. So the Israelites, they were the people of God, and they were the blood descendants of Abraham. So in the Old Testament, God had given them promises that that they would be his people. And then he gave them the law. And the law was a set of commands that the Israelites, to keep the Israelites in check, to hold them in check. And Paul says that the law was like a guardian. It It was like a guardian to them until Christ came and fulfilled the law. And so obedience to the law was honoring to God. And breaking the law was sin. And sin is a big problem. And everyone sinned. Neither the Israelites, nor the Galatians, nor you and me can keep the law. 
We're all sinners. But there's one man who did. Jesus Christ. The Son of God. He became man and he lived under the weight of the law without cracking. He was perfect. And so when he was murdered on a cross, he died for crimes that he didn't commit. He died for our crimes. For the crimes of those who had put their faith in him. And so we are sinners. This is what Paul is acknowledging. He's saying that Christ has made a way for us to get right with God. Why are you still trying to make it on your own? You're not entitled to the grace of God by being a good person. Because you're not a good person. And we do the same thing. We treat God like a, like a referee at a soccer game. For the whole game, we're, we're being so nice to him. And we're buddying up to him. And we're offering compliments on his nice call. But the reason we're being so nice to this referee is because we know who's going to make the call when the game is on the line. We're trying to build up this relationship equity with God. Because in the end, we know who makes the final call. God is not a referee that we can manipulate with our good works and our compliments. He sees you. And he is a righteous and a just judge. And there's no way we can earn our belonging at his family table. We cannot, we can't just squeak in by doing good stuff. So the question still is, we didn't really answer it. So how do we attain that beautiful belonging and equality and acceptance that Paul is talking about? So if we jump back to the beginning, verse 26, for a quick second, Paul does mention it there. He says, you are all children of God or sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Through faith in Jesus Christ. So it is by faith in Christ that we can belong, we actually then become children, entitled to an inheritance. We are entitled by grace. In chapter 4, verse 4 to 5, Paul says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons or receive adoption as sons. So how can we attain this belonging, this adoption? Simply by being adopted by God as his children. Receiving the inheritance that he has set aside for the true son, the oldest son, Jesus. And it was Jesus that made this possible for us he earned this status by becoming human. And Paul says he was born of a woman, living perfectly according to the law. And Jesus was rejected by all, like an orphan. 
On the cross, he even called out to God the Father, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Matthew 8, Jesus says that he didn't have a home. He didn't have a place to lay his head. He was rejected and forsaken at every turn. But the the beauty of it is that he did it willingly. He did it willingly for you. So that you could belong. He didn't belong so that you could belong. Paul goes on to say in verse 6 that because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. And Abba is like a, a term of endearment. It's kind of like saying, dearest father, or some cultures say, papa, or some people think um, daddy would work, but I think we have some nuances with that. So um, I think like a, like a small child saying daddy would work, but not like a whiny teenager saying daddy, right? <laughs> but the, the point is that we are adopted by God through faith. We are given a place at his table. We're given belonging. We're given relationship. We are delighted upon by a good father. And the spirit of Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit, it enters our hearts and it dwells in us. We go from orphan to everything. The Holy Spirit dwelling in us is literally God in us. When we talk about the Spirit dwelling in us, this is relational language. This is a relationship. God has come near to us. He comforts us. And he changes us. And he points us to our salvation in Christ over and over again. The Holy Spirit's chief job is just to shine light on Jesus. And so that's what it does in our hearts. It points us to Christ again and again and again. I heard a testimony last week from from one of my friends. She was explaining her conversion, which happened in her 20s. She said when she received Christ, it was like that light went on in her heart. The spirit of Jesus had entered her, and she now had hope. She felt comfort. And she said she began to see the image of God now in others. The Spirit was shining light on Jesus in her heart. Another important part of adoption is that those who are redeemed by Christ, they're also heirs. They're entitled to the estate. We get an inheritance. This inheritance is something that is is legally ours now, but it's not yet fully realized. The inheritance that we have is eternal life with God. We'll have eternal belonging in a relationship that that cannot be broken by death, by sin, by pain. God gives us himself, his own self in a relationship as our inheritance. In Revelation 21, gives us a bit of a glimpse into this this eternal relationship, what it will be like. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is incredible closeness. God our Father will wipe away our tears. This is incredible belonging in Christ. There's nothing that is going to separate this relationship. We're not just in the room when we're adopted. We're not just in the room like servants or waiters kind of standing on the side of the meal. We have a seat. We get to participate in the family. In Christ, we go from orphan to everything. So where do you belong? If you're anything like me, you probably often find yourself consciously or subconsciously wondering where you belong. And maybe wondering why you don't feel like you actually belong. Are you searching for belonging at work? Maybe by being the best employee or coworker that you could be? Just dying to hear somebody tell you how great you are. Dying for some affirmation from your boss. Or maybe you're wondering why you don't feel like work is really fulfilling you right now. As if work is the thing that should fulfill us. How about relationships? How about relationally? Are you looking for belonging in a relationship? Are you, are you looking for, for fulfillment in a relationship? Are your relationships toxic? Maybe because of this reason. Or maybe you're like me. Maybe your relationships are shallow because you're afraid of rejection. Because of Christ we are offered a belonging that satisfies all of these desires. We're given a relationship with a loving Father who delights in us and he will not leave us. He pursues us. He acknowledges us. He comforts us by his spirit. And he also redirects us like a good father does. He disciplines his children for their own good. We all share in the feeling of not belonging. So here's the call we have from this passage. Here's, here's some advice. Stop searching for your belonging in the wrong places. Receive the true belonging that is offered to you by God. He's pursuing you. He wants you to know him in a deep, deep way. He wants you to know him as a father. And he wants you to be secure in your inheritance. So how can we receive this? How can we do that? How can we receive this gift of adoption by God? First, we're called to acknowledge that we can't earn it on our own. We must repent. We must renounce the ways that we are trying to find belonging on our own. 
And second, we're called to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Acknowledge that he has lived a perfect life. That he has died in your place for your sin. And he was resurrected to defeat death itself. This salvation is offered to you. And by faith, we are simply receiving it. It's like a child embracing a father who already has his arms out for embrace, simply receiving the grace of God that's offered. It's like at Lord's Supper when when the bread and the wine is outstretched for us. We're simply taking it from the hand. We've done nothing to earn it, but we simply receive it from God by faith. Repent and believe. Renounce and receive the grace of God. Join the family. And for those of us who are delighted in our belonging, this passage has something to say to us as well. Paul's call to the Galatians Christian, Galatian Christians was to live like children. Live like children. If that's who we say we are, then we ought to act like it. We are a family, and the heart of the father of this family is that other orphans would find belonging. We're called to have gospel conversations with our coworkers, our friends, and our family. Our family has an open door policy. That's how we got in. We're also called to seek the benefit of those in our city, in our town, who don't have a place of belonging. Our father is a father to the fatherless. We're called to show love to orphans through adoption, foster care, foster relief, pregnancy support, being friends with people who do that stuff, any way you can. As a family, we're called to support those who are active in these areas. And I'm so glad to know that here at Grace Valley, this is something that you guys do. This is at the heart of who you are. Keep it at the heart because it's at the heart of our Father. In a few moments, we're going to join in having a family meal, the Lord's Supper. And this meal is the ultimate picture of God's heart for hospitality and love for us. This meal signifies to us the gospel. We get to receive Christ by faith in a real and tangible way. We are the helpless being fed by the good Father. At the Lord's Supper, the Father is showing us again and again that he spared no expense in adopting us. It cost him everything. And yet he is also lavishing his love on us, reminding us again and again that I love you, that he deeply loves us and delights in us. So will you pray with me as we prepare to taste and see the Father's love for us? Let's pray. God, our Father, 
You are so good to us. Working faith in the hearts of your people, taking us from orphans and giving us everything. God, we acknowledge that we are sinners and we renounce the ways that that we are trying to find our belonging apart from you. God, and we acknowledge that our place, our standing can be secure because of the work of Jesus Christ and we thank you so much. God, work faith in our hearts. Help us to seek the benefit of the fatherless, the cause of those who don't have homes and seek your will in this world as we go into our places of influence and and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, this, this beautiful adoption that you have given us by your grace. Thank you that we can sit at your table in equality with each other, being delighted upon you, our good Father. And God, we, we pray this not because we have earned our right to be before you, but because Jesus has earned it for us. Amen.